Welcome to Sastery in the Making, the podcast that features the people who made the software world what it is today and the leaders who are shaping the future of technology. Here's your host, Matt Wallach. Okay, I have some questions for you. Are you looking to get rid of your meetings or maybe you want to just make your meetings even more efficient? Or what about your remote team? These days, everybody's thinking remote. How can you better manage your remote team and how can you increase remote inclusivity? Well, we have answers to all of that today. I am delighted to be joined by Josh Little, the founder and CEO of Volley, and he's going to help us out with all of that. This is Sastry in the Making. I am your host, Matt Wallach. So Josh, welcome. Well, thank you. I'm blushing. That was a wonderful intro. You should be a pitch man for us. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to uh, see about that. <laughs> we'll about. No, uh, uh, well, don't worry, because I've got more intro. I want to make sure everybody out there knows Josh, because this guy is awesome. When it comes to startups, when it comes to being a founder, and we were just talking off the air about how he wishes he could just go out and start a bunch of companies and get them going in that first year and then kind of hand them over. I love that because I feel the same thing. Right now, Josh is the founder and CEO of Volley. And Volley is really, really slick. It's a new way to move work forward with conversations that don't involve time or place using asynchronous video. It's a really, really slick deal. We're going to touch on that today. I want to make sure you guys know about it. He's also formerly the founder and CEO of Quizzer, also the formerly the founder and CEO of Bloomfire, and formerly the founder and CEO of Maestro eLearning. This guy knows his stuff when it comes to starting companies, getting them going, and taking them off. So once again, Josh, thanks so much for coming on the show. Well, yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So tell me, what's been going on lately at Volley and what's coming up? Well, we're just trying to save the world from death by meetings. Meetings have risen 8 to 10% a year over the last 20 years, 13% just since social distancing started. Wow. And so, you know, executives are sitting in average 28 hours of meetings a week. And we just saw an, an interesting opportunity to use asynchronous video to try to solve this problem where you could meet less and communicate more. And so what's coming up is a launch of Volley in the coming weeks. Stay tuned. Oh, very, very exciting. And I know you're already generating a lot of interest and yeah. I uh, saw there's a, there's a wait list. That's really cool. So tell me what's planned for this launch. How are you going to go about doing it? Well, terrible time to launch BizComs tool between holidays, right? Uh, so <laughs> we're looking after Thanksgiving to sneak it into the world. We currently have hundreds of companies that are in the beta program uh, from the wait list. And so Perfect. we have plenty of users right now to help us find the bugs and polish and round out the product. But we're really excited to see what it can do in the wild because we just, you know, test flight is a hard place to really see, you know, if, if an app's going to fly or not. Yeah, absolutely. I love this idea of getting rid of meetings, but, you know, aren't they necessary for communication on some level? Well, yes and no. Uh, what is the core framework of meetings is absolutely necessary, which is talking. We have to talk to move work forward. And, you know, typing isn't the same as talking. So, I can write Slack messages or emails, but at some point, that's just a blunt instrument to do this thing that we as humans are made to do, this conversation thing. You know, it's pretty amazing what we're able to do in conversation. So we need to talk to move work forward, and meetings are just one of the ways we can do that. When written communication renders itself inadequate, what do you do? Well, you have two options. You can 
set up a meeting or jump on a call or interrupt someone if you're in the office, right? But all of those options are inefficient and have their own set of inefficiencies because they're Mm -hmm. interruptive and you have to wait for others to arrive and you have to stop what you're doing at a certain time. And that breaks up your day into a little bit of chunks. And then in a meeting, you've got to wait for the small talk, the obligatory small talk to, to happen, the meandering of the conversation, the people who shouldn't be there, the people that talk too much, all of the bad behaviors of meetings equal inefficiency. Mm-hmm. So yes, we have to talk to move work forward. That's the point of volley. But we don't have to talk synchronously. Technology should allow us to be able to take that conversation, which is turn-based, just like this conversation is turn-based. We take turns back and forth, except we're doing it synchronous lab, but we don't need to. We can actually break up those turns using technology and, and record them using video, record our turns. And with that, we gain a bunch of new uh, superpowers and, and efficiencies in that you can speed the conversation up. And who wouldn't like to have the rest of their life or all their conversations on 2X if you could. It's just impossible. And the conversation's automatically archived and recorded. So you can actually have perfect recall and go back and remember what somebody said. You don't have to think of what the context was at the time, right? Also happens to be one of the more inclusive ways to communicate as a group because of the the dynamics of group conversation. Some people are left out. And with Volley, everyone has an equal opportunity to hit the record button. So there are a lot of benefits that you can gain from an asynchronous video form of communication, which gives you the richness of talking, the richness of of live talk, because 93% of communication is tone of voice and the cues that I'm giving through body language. Um, So we can get the full spectrum of communication, but we get the flexibility of texting. And combining those two worlds is what we're most interested in doing with Volley. And from the beta and from success so far, it looks like we're doing it. That's great. That sounds really amazing and good for you for doing that because I think it's needed. So let me let me ask. I mean, you know, I would imagine that you're seeing some great results. You talked about some of the ancillary benefits, but I would think that sometimes in in-person meetings, somebody feels like they can't speak up and they can't have their voice heard. Maybe they feel a little nervous or they don't feel like it's going to be uh, heard well enough from everybody. So are you seeing any results within your beta customers about people able to kind of get their opinions out? Yeah, absolutely. And we're, we're seeing a drastic reduction in the number of meetings. We as a team have been using it since June, and we have one meeting a week now. Turns out you do need to meet synchronously about some things and emotionally charged conversations, hiring, firing. Those should probably be done synchronously, right? Yeah. But for everything else, there's volley. And it turns out you, you can actually have just as good a conversation asynchronously and because of the fact that you're recording your video and you had time to think about your response, you're actually recording a more succinct answer than you would have if somebody was sitting there live and you felt you know, the time of the world not weighing upon you. So it can actually make the conversation much more condensed. Uh, you know, a half an hour meeting is you know, three volleys in six minutes or, or whatever that is, right? Wow, that's awesome. And that stat you said earlier about since the lockdown, since everything happened with COVID, that there's 13% more meetings happening, which is surprising to me. I would think that that would have gone down, but you know that's crazy. So I'm sure people are wanting to you know, reduce that time. So how can leaders reduce time spent in meetings, but still lead effectively? Well, that's astute observation there because 
What you're asserting is that leaders lead in meetings, which is absolutely true. This is Patrick Lencioni's, one of his big things recently. I've seen him sharing content about this is that leaders lead in meetings. That's the time for them to shine. That's when they're getting buy-in, consensus, uh, you know, building the morale of the group. All of the intangibles of that interaction are happening in meetings. And so we don't want that to happen. And since the pandemic, you're right, the time spent in meetings has increased by 13%. But what's has increased much more than that is time spent in Zoom meetings. And I'm using Zoom as a scapegoat for virtual, yeah, virtual video conferences, right? That's yeah. just the way most knowledge worker teams are, are meeting now. And those happen to have terrible you know, interactions, just that one second of, of synchronicity that you're missing, the time lag and not trying to interrupt someone and people on mute. And some people have their camera off, so you can't really even see what, you can't even read the room like you, mm-hmm. you would normally in a meeting. So leaders are missing out on all of that potential pipeline of feedback to help them know and understand how they're doing as leaders. They're also missing that ad hoc interaction that just happens popping into someone's office or seeing them in the hall or around the water cooler, going to lunch, which you know has basically ended for a while. So all of that has reduced and a leader's ability to lead is just greatly, greatly hampered by these tools. And so that's one of the things we're hoping to do is make conversation a lot easier to start, a lot less friction because you do think twice when you call someone and we don't do that much to, because you know, am I going to interrupt them? Or is now a good time for a call? So what do we do? We text back and forth. Hey, can I call you? You know, and so we're just looking for permission to interrupt because we know how, how difficult it is to be interrupted constantly throughout the day. So if you can have a way to talk that doesn't interrupt, that the other person could respond in a second, a minute, an hour, whatever it is, suddenly conversation can flow much more easily and leaders now have the tools to lead and to reach out and to inquire and to ask questions and to get buy-in and to rally the team around something. So that's what we're hoping to do is expand the opportunities for leadership in a future world that we believe is only going to be more remote and more flexible. Yeah, I would agree. And I love that that makes a ton of sense about leadership. And what about everybody else? You know, How can these remote teams develop relationships despite the distance that they have now in 2020, year of being remote? Yeah. Yeah. That's just it. It's these small, it's kind of the same idea as the leadership is I've heard of, you know, uh, who is it? SAP or GitHub is doing this happy hour sort of thing on Fridays. And mm-hmm. it's like this force on Zoom, right? This forced Zoom interaction, which is just not the way that you built relationships in the office. It wasn't a big group of people sitting in a room, like staring at each other. It was more fluid and dynamic and two people coupling and, you know, leading to three and taking this conversation to another room. And, and so those things are, are gone. And, and those things just kind of happen naturally in Bali. You can see your whole team. You can start conversations with any one, two, three, ten of them. You can title those conversations, uh, whatever you'd like, and keep them as, as a consistent conversation that, that exists through things like stand-up or marketing brainstorm or whatever, or it could be a, a temporary topic like, you know, what are we having for lunch at the quarterly thing or quarterly update or, or whatever that is. Sure. So giving team members as well, the ability to start this popcorn style conversation that is you know, bite-sized. I can just check in. I can record a 10 second volley. That's like, Hey man, 
I noticed you were a little uh, heated at the meeting today. Is, is everything okay, right? And you're not going to set up a Zoom call for that. No. You may call them on the phone, right? It, it's just not going to happen. And so because of that, all team and leadership interactions have been hampered and stifled through this pandemic. Certainly, they'll come back. Offices will be a thing. But the research looks like, Buffer just launched a study about the future of remote work, and it looks like people who started working remote work during the pandemic want to continue, at least partially, working remote because they like the flexibility. That's amazing. And I saw somewhere where you, you mentioned that teams can increase inclusivity in a remote environment. Is that what this is doing? I mean, because I've heard about situations where team members, because of the isolation, have kind of gotten into depression. It's been really bad for many. We've heard the stories. So can this help increase inclusivity? Absolutely. We've all felt on the outside of a conversation at one point, or in my experience, many points in my life, right? And we know how that feels and how that is. And as I've started building Volley, I've done a ton of research on the group the dynamics of group conversation. And it's pretty fascinating what happens when a conversation goes from two to four to six to eight people. It evolves from what is something that we're sharing airtime equitably. We're looking at each other for cues. We, we know I can see when you're kind of nodding and ready to come in that I, I'm going to quickly ramp down my, my sentence. It's a dance that's happening between two or three people. But when we move it to four to six to eight, it becomes more of two or three people talking and an audience listening. And we've been in those meetings, you know, a group meeting of 10 people. Not all 10 people are equally, it's getting their one-tenth of floor time. It's not happening. And Very then true. there's certainly people with bad behavior, right? That don't know that they're talking too much. Don't know that they're rambling on. Maybe I'm doing that in this interview. Who knows? Or yeah. don't care. Or don't care, right? Yeah. And you're sure. not, by the way. You're being great. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. So dynamics of group conversation are hard. When you're sitting in the same room and reading the room and knowing when it's as the, the number of people in the group increase, the risk becomes much and much greater for interaction. So I have to know that what I'm about to interject is true or is valid or is worthwhile at this point. So there's friction in interjecting. And then you're also trying to just see who's talking, who's going to want to talk. Am, am I next? Could I share something? And so for those reasons, especially those who are, are more timid in nature, um, they kind of shut down and just listen. And, and those are the folks you have to kind of bring back into the conversation. Again, in a room together, these things are easier to do, not easy. But Volley kind of does that naturally because we, we've taken away this time box. There's no time box to a, this conversation. That doesn't mean that conversations last longer. They, they're actually shorter. But when the time box is off, suddenly you, you have this equality that opens up. We're not trying to get all our shots in in 30 minutes, right? We're taking whatever shots need to be taken when they need to be taken. And we're getting time to think about the shots. I'm using, I shouldn't use sports analogies. I'm like the least knowledgeable about sports, but... I love sports analogies, so I'm okay. Okay, <laughs> okay good. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we're taking our turns when they need to be. And everyone has an equal opportunity to hit the record button. So absolutely, I think this can increase inclusivity. Can't completely solve the problem because there is just human nature, bad behavior. Those things aren't solved by technology, but we can at least create an opportunity for everyone to have a, a fair chance to speak their mind. 
I love it. I love it. Sounds like a great idea. I want to dive into your history, your background. I mean, you started a lot of tech companies, Josh. What are some of your best pieces of advice to others who are just getting started now? Well, one that I say, and it's been said before, is learn how to learn. You know, when I was going through high school and college, I was a terrible learner. And it wasn't until I had something real and tangible in front of me, a huge undertaking that, you know, I quit my six figure corporate job, cold turkey, to start my first company. And whoa. You're strapping on the feedback of learning, right? <laughs> and so it's amazing what you need to learn. There's thousands of things you need to know about to do in the first year, or, you know, things like workers' comp insurance, you know, all the thousand little things like that that you're like, what is workers' comp insurance? Where do I get workers' comp insurance? Why do I need workers' comp insurance, right? And so learning how to learn and to self-soothe in that way is one of the most critical skills I think new entrepreneurs need to have to be able Mm -hmm. to just go all out in digesting all that you need to in the world, whether it's from books or mentors or advisors. And that would probably be my second bit of advice is build a great team around you and not just the people you hire, but mentors, advisors, coaches like you, Matt. So having that team is invaluable because leadership is just a lonely place. You can even have co-founders around you that are sharing the burden and still feel lonely because if you're the CEO, because at the end of the day, the buck stops with you. So it's a hard place to be. And I'm sure you're helping with your your clients with things like that every day, right? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for the plug, by the way. You heard it here, folks. Josh Little, (laughs) serial entrepreneur says, hire Matt. No, I'm just kidding. Um, So I love what you're saying about you kind of get that loneliness if you're a leader of a company. You've got other people that you're working with, but you also need someone to kind of bounce ideas back and forth with and to kind of keep you in check, keep you accountable. And that can be really important. I have a lot of clients that say the same thing about working with me is they love that they've got kind of that peer-to-peer that they don't get working with their team. So I totally agree with that. And I myself do that for my stuff as well. I need coaching on this or that. And you you look at even people who are super successful, they have coaches. Look at, again, we're going to go to sports analogies here. Josh Tiger Woods uh-huh. has. I know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> of course. So it makes a lot of sense. I love how you said you need to learn how to learn. That's fantastic. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So, what are some going the other way? What are some early mistakes you wish you'd known about and avoided? Hmm. How much time do you have, man? <laughs> I, I, I've made them all. I was maybe one of the most ill equipped to do what I did and you know leave my corporate job and go start a company. But I learned how to learn, which helped me get there. So man, I've made all of the mistakes, really. Some of the more all? painful ones have to do with choosing the wrong co-founder. You know, so, And this is not the wrong person. Every co-founder I've chosen have been great human beings. But you know, in, in one venture in, in particular, I and this was very early on, I, I thought that personal trainers would be good co-founders because we're building this content for wellness education. And you make the mistake of like, well, how do we divide equity? I, I don't know. There's three of us. Like, what about a third, third, third? And then you go forward and and I've done you know 200 times the effort and hired my whole team and used my own capital to do these things. And they've you know provided some content along the way. And if they're listening in, I'm sure they'll They'll probably be disappointed in this, but we've we've hugged it out and, ha- and talked it out. But that was a big mistake, you know. Hiring people who aren't ready to be entrepreneurs as your mm. partner in entrepreneurship. But so I mean, true. that's just one of so many. 
That's so true. I, I I completely agree. Finding the right partners, even if, like you said, I think you said it well, they're good people. There's just got to be that right connection in the partnership. And that yeah. I, I've seen good companies with good people go down because of bad partnerships. For sure. And probably coupled to that is one of my other greatest flaws, and it still exists, is it's really hard to cut early, right? To cut when you know it's time to cut. And especially when it comes to co-founders, that's a hard cut to make, right? But we as entrepreneurs need to be confident enough and supportive enough of the endeavor that we're creating and you know, be more interested in building a great business than we are in preserving and maintaining friendships. And I think we all want to believe the best in people, that people can change. They're going to be able to get through this. This is going to happen. They're, they're going to be able to solve this problem in their life. And sometimes they do, but... Sometimes mm-hmm. they don't. And when they don't, and uh, they create toxic work culture or bad behaviors, or you know, just kind of starts this downward cycle of a team that it's just hard to recover from. So cutting when it's time to cut is, is another one that I continuously work on. Um, letting people go in a, in a loving and supportive sort of way. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And unfortunately, we are out of time, but I think this has been really, really awesome. I've learned a lot. I appreciate you coming on the show, Josh, and sharing your wisdom with us. You bet. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to blab. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So how shall our audience learn more about you and Volley? Well, you can go to volleyapp.com and uh, right today, jump on the wait list. We'll be launching shortly. So you'll be able to get Volley in the Wild on you know both mobile and desktop. And uh, yeah, if you want to chat with me, look me up on LinkedIn, LinkedIn slash little (laughs) Josh. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been really awesome. You bet, Matt. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. For everybody else out there, make sure you're subscribing. We're constantly bringing on new innovators, new people in SaaS who are knowledgeable about what's going on within the SaaS world and can help you get to where you need to go. So make sure you subscribe. We have weekly episodes always focused around helping you get where you need to be. For that, I will see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Sastery in the Making. Join us next episode for another look into how today's visionaries are creating the next generation of innovation.